0: Good morning, good afternoon and good evening and welcome to the latest HR on the Offensive Podcast. It's me, Chris Howard, uh, back again as always on this wonderful Thursday from which we are coming to you with our latest instalment of the HR on the Offensive Podcast. I hope you are well. I hope you are like me, praying for some more summer sunshine to come because I spent my weekend a little bit of it and I feel like I've got back into the office now and we've got the clouds again. But that's a by the by, that's not the reason why I'm here today, to give you a full weather report. I'm here with three fabulous people who are joining me to talk about tokenism, actually. And I've got the guys from the Clear Company, as well as Bersede from Team Lace. Let's dig into this interesting topic. But before we get into it, let's do some introductions first. Of course, I've already mentioned her. It's one of our fabulous laces. Bersede, how are you doing?
1: I'm well, thank you. You?
0: Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. And we have two wonderful guests from the Clear Company, and I'll get the Clear Com- uh, I'll get Maria in first, just to say a little hello.
2: Hi, Chris, how are you?
0: I'm good, I'm good. Now, Maria, you've obviously been on our podcast before, so I'm going to get you to give us a little bit of intro about yourself, but just before we do that, and so that she doesn't feel like we haven't introduced her yet, it's Corinne as well from uh, the Clear Company. Corinne, how are you doing?
3: Hi, Chris, I'm well, thanks. How are you?
0: Yeah, really good, really good. So, I'll start with Corinne and then go back to Maria. Corinne, tell us a little bit about what you do at the Clear Company.
3: So I'm a senior consultant, I work in the strategy, audit and policy team that works from everything from reviewing policies, doing audit, obviously it says, but it is on the TIN consultancy as well, but it's predominantly diversity in diversity, equity and inclusion. I come from a background in local government, social housing, and most recently in a university as well. So I'm kind of using my expertise from those different sectors to advise different clients on their DEI
0: matters. Lovely. And Maria, a little bit about yourself, please. And then tell us a little bit about the Clear Company too.
2: Of course, Chris. So I am a managing consultant at the Company, which is interesting because last time I've been on the podcast, I was a senior consultant. So talking from a slightly different position now, I work nowadays mostly within our learning team and I am responsible for our inclusive leadership offerings. But I've been in the DEI industry for the last seven or eight years now, previously in Brazil. So I'm born and raised Brazil, but for the last three years here in the UK. So an interesting translation journey for me, I guess. So talking just a little bit about the Clear Company. So the Clear Company, we are a specialized diversity, equity and inclusion consultancy, as Corinne already mentioned a little bit. So we have a a range of different expertise within the team covering the different underrepresented groups, but also we advise on inclusive management, inclusive leadership, policy, communications in all different aspects of DEI. So that's us.
0: Lovely, jubbly. So, I want to. Um, I'm actually going to start with Persedi because Persedi, you recently joined Lace Partners. Oh, I mean, must be a month or two ago now. And one of the first things that when you and I had a chat, and the reason you are the inspiration behind today's podcast, because the reason why we wanted to talk about tokenism is because that was one of the questions that you asked me, which was around have we done anything? And have we done a podcast on tokenism at all? So, what I want to do, if that's all right, if you can tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your background, and then also just to start the conversation off you could just tell us why you thought actually this might be worth us having a having a chat about it today and then what i'll do is i'll bring uh maria and corinne in just to give their views i think i'm
1: month two now with, with um, LACE. So yeah, my background is HR, HR systems and implementing and delivering on HR transformation programs. But prior to joining LACE, I worked for another organization wherein I was involved in the DEI activity. And one of the key things that kept popping up as we, you know, we mentored people and spoke with the Black Employee Network within the organization was around tokenism. And it was more around imposter syndrome. How do we support people that think they're just being nominated for a position because they fit into a same bucket? How do they, you know, align with the how do we fix the fears that they have that they're not the right fit for that role. So that became an you know a trend that I started to notice around the organization. And so when we came, when I came into Lace, I was wondering, oh, we're actually impacting and relating with a lot of CPOs. How are we guiding them? And I thought this podcast would be a good way to have the conversation and then see what we could do to actually support organizations that might be experiencing something
0: similar. Yeah, certainly, and of course that's why we got our friends from the Clear Company to talk to us. So I'm going to start off with Corinne, if that's all right, just to get your based on obviously what Mercedes just talked about. Just get your views on on that Corinne, and then perhaps also we talk about because remember when we we were chatting about setting up this podcast, we were talking about things like what does it mean to be and feel like a token. So just get some thoughts from you, and then we'll bring Marie in.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So one of the things you mentioned there, Mercedes, was about the Feeling that you're uh, that the association with imposter syndrome and that feeling that you're being put into a situation that feeling that you're being put into a situation purely because of that demographic that you might fit into. And I really think that there's a conversation to be had about the mis- misunderstanding of DEI and actually why diversity, equity, and inclusion is important. And it feels a little bit like. When you're a visible minority, it's easier to fall into feeling like a token or becoming a token. So in terms of what it feels like, I suppose it's when you're from a visible or non-visible marginalised group and you're given an opportunity, you're perhaps hired, passed up to champion something visibly, but effectively not through... An inclusive process. So I think one of the things we said before, it's diversity done badly or diversity done incorrectly. And um, it's giving this illusion, I guess, of inclusion, which is so cheesy that it rhymes. Um, <laughs> but um, basically, it's surface level diversity. So it's, it's reactive and it's not proactive and it's not truly inclusive because an organisation might be like scrambling to find someone to represent diversity. But tokenism means that you're setting them up to fail because it's not best practice. It's not like truly inclusive. It's not done the right way. And that's why it produces imposter syndrome, because it can reinforce this sort of damaging idea that diversity doesn't have tangible benefits when in fact it does. Um, And what we do is to not just explain why DEI is important, but to provide strategy on embedding that. Yeah, certainly. Maria, I just want to
0: bring you in on that.
2: Yeah, definitely. I I think it's interesting what Corinne was just saying, because I think the discussion of tokenism and imposter syndrome really shows how DEI initiatives and DEI strategies impact on how individuals feel about themselves in our, in organisations and their feeling of belonging and their feeling of inclusion. <laughs> So I think what Corrine said makes complete sense. So, you know, you have when you have tokenism is usually because either the organization is so concerned about visible representation that they just put someone in there that shares that characteristic regardless of their actual capability. And that, of course, creates a very vicious circle in which, you know, that person, although they got the opportunity and that is great but it's not sustainable and the person feels that and everyone else does. So when someone else is, you know, gets an opportunity, someone else from that same group or from a minoritized group, everyone, you know, the culture around it is, oh, that person also only got there because they share their characteristics. So it's very unsustainable in the long-term. And of course, you know, amongst people who don't share that characteristic or from the majority group, it creates that uneasy feeling of, oh now i don't have opportunities anymore because of this diversity stuff which is the worst case scenario and also amongst minoritized people you get the feeling of you know i'm only getting this because of the dni strategy and once the dni strategy is gone i will probably be gone as well so i mean very very unsustainable and bad for everyone so i think then when you look at the you know opposite side of it like sustainable DNI strategy that doesn't create tokenism. There's a lot about good communications, transparency, being really, really clear about what the strategy is, isn't it? So, you know, people understand that what's going on and the reason why there's more diversity coming in is because there's a strategy behind it and the processes are all very transparent. So you'll know why people are you know, starting to get into the organization. So why you're seeing these diverse faces so people understand what's going on, I guess. So transparency, I think, is a very key word for me in this conversation.
0: Yeah, certainly. And actually, Basede, I'd love to bring in you in to get some of your thoughts on this one. Because when we, again, when we talked before, we talked about how, you know, you need to make sure that whatever you do with regard to your DEI strategy doesn't feel like you're just ticking boxes. So, can you just, we talked about how do you make it more authentic? What is, is there anything that you've seen or any experiences that you've had of where businesses have done that quite well in making sure that people are feeling like, okay, this isn't just tick box exercise?
1: So, I mean, it's similar to what I think I'm quite in line with what Maria said, it's around the strategy. Where I've seen it work well is being transparent on the process and also being transparent on whatever initiatives the organisation is driving so that it's not being looked at as a number. And when it's reported, it's reported in context rather than a report that says, okay, we have hired X number of people or X number of people have been promoted. It, It has to be put into the the whole context and not calling out a specific group within that initiative. So that, you know, people are not being, they're not being looked at as okay, yeah, you got that promotion because that, that percentage had to be filled. Because that then it kind of deviates from the, the tokenism feeling that comes from the individual. It, it also kind of addresses the views that others could have on that individual which might be there or not there so it's a Mm -hmm. perception on both sides the person feeling like a token and the other side thinking you know you only got that because you're a token so i think just the right initiative the right strategy and being transparent on the journey to getting it and when reporting reporting in context and not just calling that report or that figure
0: just specific to that group Corinne, just anything, just finally, uh, just touching on that, any final thoughts from you from that side of how do you make it more effective? I think what you what you said there around the reporting thing, I think that's something that's probably worth us us talking about a little bit more as mm. well.
3: Yeah, so on top of the conversation on transparency, there's something about, I suppose, that feeling of visibility that, and um, um, what I'm thinking of is the more than the imposter syndrome side of things, so the impact of tokenism is of course really negative to DEI so it's damaging because it reduces morale and actually yeah reinforces this negative sort of opinion towards DEI generally but I guess the ways to combat that is not just through strategy it's it's also through kind of instilling that confidence in leadership to discuss and and to have the language to talk about you know what is diversity what is equity what is inclusion and also to differentiate I suppose between what a lot of people conflate which is positive. positive discrimination and positive action I know that this is something that in our trainings isn't it Maria that we talk about and actually the the sort of legal differences between the two and I think when somebody who might not understand why somebody is in a position or where there's that lack of transparency yeah you can get this uninclusive culture and, and like a lack of understanding so it's about having your employment law upskilling, so like knowing what the different provisions are from that Equality Act perspective, but also, yeah, like having kind of a culture where you know leadership and the people at the top of your organisation are communicating about this effectively. And therefore it's, yeah, not just strategy, but it's the way that you talk, the way that you, mm-hmm. the, the, the very kind of inclusive behaviours that we try to, you know, advise on at the clear company that,
0: that they become, they come through authentically. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is really interesting. What you just said there really struck a chord with me around the culture side. And I actually, mm-hmm. I was writing it down just before you were speaking and just thinking we talked about organisations getting it, getting their DEI uh, strategy, like diversity done badly wrong because potentially, you know, they turn it into a tick box mm-hmm. exercise or they're just looking to hit and run numbers. How important, Maria, I'll start with you, but then actually I'll go around the table again, the virtual table that is, how important mm-hmm. is this idea of you've got to get your culture right? Because it's all very well having these rules in place but if your culture isn't embracing that and to corinne's point as well if you're not empowering your line managers to actually feel comfortable to embrace this then it's just going to fall down isn't it
2: yes definitely what we see what we see with when tokenism happens is that tokenism is a really quick fix so you know, we see, we work a lot with recruitment and search firms, and we see very often them being asked, like, can you please provide me with people with underrepresented characteristics so we can put some diverse faces in? And, you know, that looks good on paper, it looks good on pictures, but of course, it's a super quick fix that, as we all already discussed, is very detrimental to the whole DEI perception within the organisation. So when we talk about having a culture that is inclusive, that is supportive, I think this is all intricate connected so when we advise our clients I think in terms of building a culture that is sustainable for dei there is a there is a big element of you know explaining and being clear and transparent to people in terms of what's going on why is it going on if there is this initiative happening especially when it is for example initiatives that target specific groups why are you targeting that specific group? What barrier are you trying to address? What is the root cause of underrepresentation they're trying to address? And I think that is a very good rationale for your clients because sometimes that gets them to rethink their initiative. So, you know, is it going to be an effective initiative at all? So, you know, it kind of creates their rationale, but also gets them to be able to explain to people why is that happening? I think in terms of managers and and leaders, as we've already been discussing, there is such a huge element of, inclusive practicing being best practice when we talk about people decisions and people processes so what we've seen historically in 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 different industries that we work with is you know people processes are the opposite of structuring and transparent you know there's so much of like I hire my mates I promote people that I feel comfortable working with and sometimes more, more much more nuanced ways than this but you know if we look at practices such as being transparent about salary and job openings and being transparent about career bends in inside companies and people understand where they stay. You know, it's quite rare to find practices still. So you know when we talk about implementing a culture of openness, of transparency, there's quite a lot behind it in terms of processes. So you know I think these things do go hand in hand, but there is an element of changing the processes. So processes support the culture that's changing, but also working on the culture so people understand why they are doing it, what's the reason behind it, what's the role in it, what they're going to get from it as well. So you know those things walking hand in hand. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All interconnected, aren't they? Perseida, just some thoughts from your perspective. I saw you nodding away furiously with regards <laughs> to that, that culture piece. And I really liked what Maria said as well. Ask the question, why? Why are we doing this?
1: Yeah, exactly. and exactly that's why I was nodding because I, you know, the why is probably the the one key thing that if gotten right would avoid tokenism. Because if you get the why right, you probably will come to realisation that you can get to where you want to get to, but it might be a journey. And so that journey means that you can't hit the numbers, you can't get the, the people visible, you can't, but I'm gonna put things in place to make sure that I get there. Now, if that's done properly, then the culture around it, everyone can start to see that journey. And people that are actually taken on the journey would see that I'm getting where I'm getting to because, you know, this is the right thing. And others would also see. So I think for me, the why is the key bit is the the answering the why and driving the why around the organization, across the organization rather, would allow people to buy into the initiatives that you're putting in, would allow them to ask the right questions across all processes, right from the hiring, right, you know, to, you know, promoting to to salary or compensation, they're asking the right questions and driving the right behavior. And that will then allow a better culture, which would invariably reduce the impact of tokenism and probably the impact on productivity as well, which I see as a knock on on tokenism and imposter syndrome, etc. So yeah, I was nodding furiously there because I think that's a that's the why is the, is the big thing to be answered.
0: Yeah, certainly. Corinne, any of your final thoughts on that before? I've got another question I'm interested to ask you actually around the change that we've seen recently. But any just final thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, that part? sure. So I really do agree with what's been said on the why. And I think there's a difference between, I think I've mentioned it already, being reactive to something and saying, oh, now we need diversity, now we need inclusion, now we need a strategy, and actually having a more proactive look at, okay, what Becerre said about the journey, you know, what's our five-year plan, what do we want it to look like, but actually, you know, what sector are we in? Is it to do with you know, because uh, there's lots of different reasons to having a DEI strategy. Yes, it's the right thing to do, but I think that a lot of businesses tend to kind of not understand, or maybe they're just cottoning on to the wider the wider benefits to that as well. So yes, I'm absolutely, and I mean it's our job here. Like I I'm on with the the moral side of it, but from a policy side, the regulatory side, and I suppose also like the other be- the benefits to having a truly inclusive culture should also be drivers behind your DEI strategy so I think I think it's understanding like answering some of the questions to that why like what is it that we want to achieve what what like where does DEI sit have we just hired one person to do all this work and you know is it I'll, I'll be setting up somebody to fail not just in the DEI space but in whatever initiative you're doing with that what we're talking about in tokenism? Is it a visible minority? Is it a non-visible? Like there's there's so many different examples, but to to round it off, yeah, I'm just in agreement with really kind of drilling down the why and getting those answers out there and having
0: a way of talking about it. Lovely. I just actually want to... Stay with you, then I'll ask Maria the same Mm -hmm. question as well. Because you guys obviously talk to businesses, all different sectors, all of the time, about their DEI strategies. I want to ask specifically with regards to tokenism, but we can talk about wider DEI strategies as well. How far... Do you think businesses have come I usually put a time frame on this sort of stuff but in recent years how far have we actually come on this is this something that you talk about a lot more now than you were doing or you're talking about you're talking about this a lot more than you maybe were two three four years ago where what's the sort of what's the noise out there and how how much improvement have businesses seen in mitigating this really that kind of inclusive agenda and and really living it and breathing it from a cultural perspective a really good
3: question so I think Maria might be better placed to answer this just from being at the Clear Company for longer but from my experience in DEI generally I think there was I think that the thing that we're not talking about or the elephant in the room perhaps is how DEI kind of was talked about a lot more around the murder of George Floyd and Black Lives Matter and I think there was a lot of discussion, there was a lot of action, there was a lot of, unfortunately, like from across the board, like performative sort of things that were happening, like with the Black Squares, and and then it kind of fell quiet. So I know that there was also a lot of investment in DEI, there was a lot of progress made in the first sort of few years, maybe the first year after that happened. But then, personally, I don't, like, I'm not sure how... How, like the for the people that have started that journey, whether everybody's really continued it. I don't know whether if that's just me being skeptical from a very narrow race perspective. For listeners that can't hear, I am of an ethnic minority, I'm black, for that visitors can't listeners that can't see. So I have a more of a lived experience in this and 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 don't know. That's kind of my more sort of skeptical view on on, on some of it. But I I'd, I'd say that for people that we work with specifically in the clear company like we've got a whole journey that we take them through on the other side and there's definitely progress that is made but I'm just talking like across the wider sector from my own sort of like viewings of things like social media and and things like that but yeah I don't know if you could sort of support me on that Maria or if you disagree or
2: agree Yes, definitely. Should I should I pick it up, Chris? or Said, did you yeah. want to add something to it before that?
1: No, I was just going to ask a question because you touched on a number of things there. I, mm-hmm. I guess my question is: Do you think that the the drive, you know, the whole initiative that happened and the drive for a lot of organisations mm-hmm. post George Floyd, has impacted or has re- has kind of re- increased the? The awareness on tokenism, has it resulted in tokenism is probably my question. And have you, have organisations highlighted this in your conversation with them that, you know, they're driving things and there's probably a cultural bit that they need to address around tokenism?
3: I think that it started a lot of conversations, the Black Lives Matter movement. It started a lot of energy and a lot of interest. I just don't know whether all of it was successful so has it created tokenism? I mean, I've not, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I'm not entirely sure. I'm not entirely confident that the DEI that it produced was always like 100% committed to and successful. So therefore, if we're saying that tokenism is DEI done badly, then it, then it may have produced some of that. But that's as far as I know. That's okay. as far as I know.
2: Yeah, these are such great points, actually, all of them. And I really like where you, how you built the discussion, Corinne, because my experience as someone who was already in the industry at that time of the murder of George Floyd and everything that happened afterwards, is that from my perspective, it created a lot of momentum in the industry. And in one hand, it did create... It did cause companies to kind of sometimes rush into things and be performative in that sense. And also, you know, let companies to establish targets, which is, you know, a fantastic achievement. But where we are with many of the clients that we've worked on and what we see a lot in the industry is a bit bridging the gap. So you have a target. Great stuff. You managed to agree on a number, but your actions are still a bit performative and you're still not very sure how to do them. And when you have targets and you don't have the cultural change, especially with managers, you get a lot of pressure on managers, right? Because you're telling them you need to get these numbers happen by an X amount of time. And, you know, managers have a lot, lots of different responsibilities, isn't it? So, tokenism, again, as an easy way out, is you know, it might be where they go to. So, you know, bring me a all-female shortlist, please. I'll hire someone and then we'll get, you know, the target sorted, which I think is a very fair enough way of dealing with it. If, you, you know, you don't have more tools in your, you know, in your disposal. So what well, we've been working a lot with our clients, I think, Chris, and I think this is where we've seen a lot of, things change. It's just being more strategic around, mm-hmm. I think, and we we always come back to talking about strategy, but I think it is because that is the case. So, you know, understanding why you're doing it, culturally, what are you trying to address with it? So instead of just borrowing initiative that you've seen around does that make sense for your company for you know if if your issue is in recruitment then why is what is the issue so is it because of where you are based and then could you maybe offer more hybrid working or remote working so you can hire people from other places or is it because you you know you're asking for um um, educational background that are just very restrictive for a large part of the population. So, you know, try and find find that out and then build the case around it. So we've seen, we've taken many clients on this journey of trying to reflect on, you know, what why are you doing DEI? Fantastic target, but we need to get people to see this target as, you know, a sustainable thing that you'll build sustainable initiatives to achieve. Corinne before talked about positive action and positive discrimination. So again, how do we use positive action to achieve that target is going to be a longer process. So it's not just hiring whatever person you can find a fixed character, so you have a nice face to put on a picture, but rather, how do you, you know, change things, change the culture, change the processes, so you have something that is sustainable and thus you achieved a target so you know it's a longer journey but of course it's much more robust it's much more effective and it's much more impactful as well
0: yeah that's a that's a really fantastic way for us to to wrap up today actually because we are pretty much on the nose on our our 30 minutes. And I can see Corinne like looking and thinking, really? 30 minutes already? This is such an interesting topic. It's a deep topic as well. But what I think is really interesting is the links that we've made between you have to dig a little bit deeper than just tick box exercise, looking for numbers that you can almost satisfy your own vanity metrics. And it, it's around the culture that you change, the processes that you put in place. And you need to have proper, you need to have proper strategic outputs on this. So a really, really good wrap up. Thank you, Maria. Thank you very much for coming on. It's been great to have you on again. I think it's third or fourth time we've had you on No. You're a pro. I think so, Chris. <laughs> well, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and Corinne, it was your first time, but you're also yeah. a pro. So thank you very much for joining us.
2: Thank you. You're welcome. Thank
0: you. And, Bersede, just uh, to wrap us up as a, a fellow Lacer, fantastic to have you on. And thank you very much for suggesting the topic. I found it Hello. really brilliant today to, to really dig into. Oh, no, thank you,
1: Chris, for putting this together. Thank you. Yeah.
0: No, it's been lovely. So hopefully you've enjoyed this listener. If you want to hear more from the Clear Company, then just reach out to us. Let us know because we're always happy to get them on and chew the fat with all things. We've done a few uh, podcasts. I remember Maria and I did one. I think it was over a year ago now, around like data in DI as well. So we touched yeah. on quite a bit. We went into a bit of detail on that. So have a look at our back catalogue, and you can uh, you can see all of our different work on our podcast, including some of the work that we've done with the fabulous Clear Company as well. Again, like I said, hopefully you've enjoyed this podcast as much as we've enjoyed recording it. And uh, we will see you next time on the HR on the Offensive Podcast. Goodbye.